This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast. Explore the mind of MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner, Brett Boone. As he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. Now, Now, up to to bat, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. I'm Brett Boone, and today on the program, I sit down with one of my mentors when I was a young man back in the day. Uh, He was with me from the very beginning, still a good friend of mine today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Mariners Hall of Famer Jay Buhner. Bone, it took me a few calls. It took me a few times. It it took you unblocking your phone so I could get through to you. I blocked you. I blocked you, Boone. I'm sorry. Finally got your ass on the podcast. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, this should be fun. How you been? Awesome. You look good, buddy. It's good to hear your voice. You look good too. You look good too. Although you, you, you look the same. We're all getting hey, we're older. Both, we're, we're both all getting vain. older. I know, but we're both vain. Let's face it. Well, look at so, this. Well, uh, look at this. Do you do you notice a little hair on my chin? Have you ever seen that? I couldn't grow no, hair when I was a kid. No. Hey, well, this is got, the only place I could grow it too. The flavor right. sake. So I can't uh, grow. It. I had the cul-de-sac, so uh, we, we got rid of that. Bazio did it in New York, so and that, that was the start of the uh, going bald. Bald is beautiful. I uh, For those of you watching, listening to the Boom Podcast today, Jay and myself, we go way back. I, I remember, I, I want to see if, I want to see if you remember. You remember the first time we met? You remember where it was? I do, because I'm a young kid. You're you're already an established big league. Well, yeah, you probably remember because I probably busted your balls like I yeah. always did. Keep in line. It was I signed 1990. You you had some injury that that year. You had to come down to instructional ball, and that was my first instructional ball. And they're oh, you know how it is when we're in the minor leagues and a big leaguer comes down. Oh, so and so is coming down. I met you then for the first time. Um, and then it was an interesting ride. Tell the Boone podcast because I, you know, I we don't talk about ourselves. <laughs> well, tell them what Booney was like as a kid. Remember that first camp? I'm a non-roster invitee. Harold Reynolds is the second baseman. I'm getting to play once in a while, but just clue me in. What what was it like? What was I like then? Well, let's just put it this way: you were definitely the president of your fan club, which which is a good thing. That's always got- been my. That's always been my rule. Rule number one, be the president of your fan club. Just hope they don't die. You were you were cocky as could be, but you know what? I was too when I was a young kid. Uh, and from experience, I knew I just had to rein you in a little bit, uh, but I wasn't going to take away that heart and that desire and the way you played the game. I mean, you come from a baseball family. I played with your old man, for God's sakes, who was a great man. And uh, so I wasn't going to take away that aggressiveness and, and the way you carried yourself because uh, – I, I love that. Well, it's interesting because we all have our, our story and our time, you know, trying to navigate our way through not only life, but but professional baseball. And it's almost like that first camp I remembered. It's almost like, man, I, I, I just got to prove to these. It's almost like you're a freshman in high school. Yeah. And and the big leaguers, they're, they're seniors. And you got to prove to them, I can hang. I can hang with the seniors. And uh, – yeah, it, it was interesting. I look back at my time there and, and just the lessons I learned, your friendship, and, and you really did. And and I want to thank you for that. I, you know, this isn't a mushy show, but but for those of you listening, Jay was a big part when I was a young player, just getting my feet wet. And and like like you said, used to bust my balls 
But at the same time, they'd, they'd give me a hug on the other side and take care Absolutely. of me, kind of teaching me the ropes. I tried to do that later in my career, too, when I became that veteran guy to a young player and just kind of steer them in the right direction. They're, they're going to this game's going to get you. We're all going to get humbled. We don't need to humble one another. That pitcher on the mound tomorrow night, he's going to humble you for me. Amen. But I tried to I tried to do that same thing. What did you look for? Did who was your guy when you were coming up? Did you have a guy that kind of because you gave me remember you let me use your condo and you'd yell at me and then I'd come and I'd I'd say you'd spill, you spill your spitter on my freaking white carpet, dude. Right. And, and then I'd come and I'd say everywhere. It's like, come on, Boone. So you'd yeah, yell at no. me. I'd come to the yard with a bill that I found in the mailbox, and it was the utility bill, and I'd, I'd write a check, and, and you'd look at me, and you'd yell at me again, and you said, you're not paying that utility bill. So it was kind of that, but at the same time, wow. And you know what? And my fiance at the time, no, yeah, Susie. Yeah. She'd be like, wow, Jay's, Jay's not making you pay. That, this is really helping us out now because we don't have any money. And uh, but you did stuff like that. And I and I really do appreciate it. It did appreciate. I think over the years, I've let you know that. But uh, yeah, well, and that's part of the deal. That's the unwritten rules of baseball. You know, you take care of the of the young bucks and you can they continue to pass that on. Uh, it's kind of the unwritten rules of baseball. And at the time, dude, when I broke in, you know what the minimum, the major league minimum was 69. No, what it was 58 five, then it went to, then it went to 62 five, right? 62 five, right? right. Now you do the math now. What is it now? Is it, it it's 10 times seven? I think it's seven, yeah. So, uh, and the last of 94 to go on strike. Uh, I, let's say I would say the game has changed a little bit, and but at the time I knew what you were going through financially, and that was just part of the deal, man. And uh, and I was. I wouldn't have done it for anybody. Let's put it that way. So, uh, no, yeah. and, and I wanted to get to that too. Who who was your guy? Did you have a guy? Yeah, I came up with the Yankees. So my guy was Donnie. Baseball took great care of me, and Dave Dave Rigetti took great care of me. I had a list of guys. I mean, when I broke in, I was a starting freaking center fielder for the New York Yankees. Uh, I was playing center field to my left. Playing right field was Dave Winfield, and to my right was Ricky Henderson which I had the pleasure of playing with again in Seattle. So, I mean, those guys took care of me, but they also do. They didn't, I mean, I wasn't allowed to go in the player's lounge like for, yeah. for the first couple of months. I had to go in, get my food and get the hell out. And I had to go sit in front of my locker and I, I had to earn the stripes. It was just part of the deal. But I tell you what, I never paid for a thing and they right. took great care of me. And, uh, that was, uh, I couldn't have, there couldn't have been a better organization to break in with. The Yankees was first class all the way for me. We won all the way up through the minor leagues. I learned how to win. Uh, and uh, another guy that was huge for me in my career uh, was Bucky Dent. He was my manager all the way up through the minor leagues. So, And he was hard on me. He benched my ass a couple of times in Dodger City and was shoving me around in front of the right like five minutes before the game because I was a hothead and doing stupid stuff. And, you know. So I, I, you know, you and I, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, man. No, because you're right. It was tough, love. I, I remember. It was, it was tough. I remember because I, I was a challenge. And I know, you know, with that first camp, I'm a non-roster invitee, still wet behind my ears. And I'm walking on the, there's two buses. Uh, there's two buses. There's the, there's the, the veteran guys. Uh, then, then there's the coaches and the manager and usually the rookies in spring training. Well, Jay will tell you, I would I would push the envelope because these guys would say, Boone, you stay on the rookie bus. And sure enough, I'd be walking on that veteran bus and their bone and Chris Bosio would be. But I knew they liked me. That's the problem. It's like <laughs> I knew they liked me, but they had to yell at me and you, you would scream at me. Get that off the bus. But I saw that little smile as I was leaving. So I knew. You know, this is just kind of, I don't know how many times you guys put me in a dress. It was like three, but I embraced it. I didn't fight it. I said, embrace it. It'll piss them off even more. If I fight it, they got some, they got some ammo. You're exactly right. After a while, it's like, okay, he's enjoying this too much. Right. Enough's enough. He's earned his stripes. So, but you know, that was all part of the deal, man. I mean, you know, every, every generation of baseball did it in some capacity. Um, And it was just part, it was fun, you know, and, and it was just part of, becoming a big league ball player, man. And, uh, and I did it with the Yankees. So, I mean, it's no different anywhere. I don't, I don't know if they get away with it quite as much anymore. Unfortunately, some of the 
great parts of the game and traditions of the game that basically are getting left behind, unfortunately. But, you know, we all had to what you see here and say here stays here when you leave here. And uh, we all had to basically sit in our locker and shut the F up and sponge it all in and learn and take constructive criticism. And hopefully every day you learn a little something, a little digest a little here, a little there, throw some out in the, in the trash can and uh, try to implement it into your daily routine and make you a big league ball player that's going to stick and not go up and down to the minor leagues because nobody wanted that. You know that. Dude, the yeah. coffee tastes better. It's still pun, you know, the coffee yeah. tastes better. But there's a lot of things that are better in the big leagues compared to, like, double-A or triple-A. Travel, number one. Um, but, yeah. But you did it well. You handled it well. I mean, nobody busted your balls more than Lou. I mean, oh. he, I mean, Lou was Lou was an SOB. He was he was a SOB. <coughs> He's the one that got got traded me out of New York when when uh, Billy Martin got fired. They immediately called uh, Lou in and made him the manager for the Yankees. And the first thing he did, he sent me down to AAA. Uh, so I mean, we had that basically butt heads relationship when I was with the Yankees until I got traded over to the Mariners. And lo and behold, he comes over and basically, you know what happens when he came over to the Mariners? The rest is history. He put he put Seattle Mariners on the map. And yeah, and and we have similar stories with Lou being a tough son of a bitch. Oh, when, no. when we were kids, but in the end, Lou, I I know in my life, one of my favorite men, and I know Bone that you just have uh, a big spot for Lou in your heart. All the years you you were with him. Hell yeah, he's um, my dad, my second dad. Do you remember? Do you remember my first AB under Lou? That was ninety three when when I lined out. And, and then he made me run. <laughs> you don't you don't remember this? Yeah, yeah. Did he tell you? No, he told like, me to move the run. Why did it hit it hard, son? But <laughs> right, <laughs> no. <laughs> and for those, for those of you listening to the Boom Podcast, forgive me if I've repeated this story before. But okay, I'll set the stage. Ninety-two is my is my rookie year. I get my feet wet. I'm a non-roster invitee. Harold Reynolds is a second baseman. I'm not going to make the team. I go to the final day of the season. And here's another one. Final day of the season, we go to we go to Vegas. Uh, everybody's everybody's looking at me like, what? Why is Brett still? He's a non-roster invitee. Why is he still here? He should have got sent down. But every time I got in a bat, I hit a bullet somewhere. I go to Vegas. I have another two good two games. It's the final day. We're going to Seattle, and everybody's looking like this guy's not making the team. Well, I get the tap on the shoulder. Hey, you know, at the time. Uh, it was uh, who's our who was our skipper? Mac. It was probably Mac. What no, yeah, but who was our skipper then? Oh, back then was it? Um, oh, Jim? It? Was it Jim? No, no, it was after Jim. It was in between Jim. Anyway, doesn't matter. Skipper says Booney, great spring. You're getting sent out. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking I had to get sent out, but why am I still here? And I'll never forget this. I'm sitting on the curb in in Las Vegas. Big league bus, you're going to the yard, you're going to the airport, jump on the bird and go back to Seattle. I've got my travel secretary hands me a a, a ticket to Calgary, Canada. I'm going to AAA and I'll never forget. I'm sitting on the curb. You guys are taking off in the bus. And I look up and and it's just you hanging out the window, flipping me off, saying, Have fun at AAA scrub or something like that. But but that was that was what it was. That was a that was what it was like though. It wasn't. I didn't take that personal. Like how could he? I just thought you know that that just that just tells me that Jay knows I'm going to be there one day, and he's just giving me a hard time. But those yeah, are the nowadays, things. You know, nowadays, I mean, guys are they're calling up a, at least a dozen guys the last week of the season just to kind of make sure everybody gets out of the gate and gets to go north and open up the regular season with their full starters. But back then, yeah, it was kind of unheard of to have a rookie still lingering around in the clubhouse. Yeah, and you raked, dude. I mean, that's when you knew. You knew it was just a matter of time. There's certain guys that uh, you can just see. You can see it in their body language. You can see it in their eyes. You can see it in the way they carry themselves. You can see the swagger. But the biggest thing is you can see it when they step across the line. Some guys are scared of those lines. And then some guys, you know, as well as I do, they're all world in spring training. And then when the regular season start, starts, they're soft shit in the ring. Uh, yeah. It's amazing how the game weeds it out. And uh, 
but uh, yeah, I knew that I knew you were going to be something special. So that that's why I had no problem taking care of you because I knew I knew you, you came from that kind of family, and I knew you were going to you know return the return it to somebody else along the way, and you did you did that. And and you said you don't just do that for anybody. You don't you you pick a certain type of player. I I was like you too. I I I I didn't really go on the as a veteran player. I wasn't a guy. I didn't put anybody in a suit. Uh, like, you know, like I mentioned, I thought Greg Maddox is pitching tonight. He's going to humble this kid for me. I don't need to humble yeah, him. All I demanded as a veteran player is when you come into the locker room as a, a guy that get called up from the minor leagues, um, respect the guys in this clubhouse that have been here and done this for a lot of years. If you're cocky, if you're brash, uh, this guy on the mound, he's going to knock that out. Yeah, I don't need to do that. So that didn't bother me that much. It was just be respectful of the players in this clubhouse that have done it for a long time. As long as you do that, I didn't have a problem with you. When I looked, though, you talk about that thing, that it factor. I looked for a guy that was maybe even overly confident. And I look in his eyes and I think, do you really believe what you're saying right now? Because you're really naive about what's about uh, what's about to hit you. But at the same time, that naivety. Uh, it could be a, a strength for you in the long run because you really believe that you belong here. A lot of guys, they they fake it. They walk the walk. They're told they're great for, you know, first round picks. They're told how great they are for so long. Do they really believe that? I'll take a little guy, that a ball player uh, that believes in himself. That's not that most highly touted guy over the kid that's been told how great he is because I don't know if he believes it or not. I agree. I agree. A lot of guys, but then again, you know, the game's amazing on how you can fool it for for so long, and then and then it figures it out pretty quick. But I yeah. agree. The one thing I never wanted to do is take that take that. I don't care, like you said, if they're naive and don't know any better. I didn't because I was successful. I was very successful at every level I was at, and I felt like I wasn't going to fail. The second that you take that away from, them, put right. that little, that little bit, because the game's right here. It's between the ears. And the second you start to take that little bit and start shedding a little bit of peeling a little bit of that skin off that onion, then it's it's not not a good thing. So who am I to basically tell a kid he's not going to be great, not going to be a Hall of Famer? Uh, I didn't want to do that. You were that way. I mean, what's wrong with that? Who am I to tell you? I mean, I felt the same freaking way. So uh, yeah, and, and were we naive? Who knows? I don't know. I wouldn't say we were naive. I was just basically, I was just knew I was going to make it somehow, some way. Just like I told my father-in-law when I asked for his daughter's, you know, hand in marriage, he goes, what happens if you don't make it in the big leagues? I go, I'm gonna. He goes, okay, what happens if you don't? I go, I'm gonna. And he kept, (laughs) and I looked at him finally, I'm like, Clyde, I'm gonna make it. I have what it takes. Somehow, some way, I'm gonna make it. I knew, I know I'm gonna make it. So let's, let's just turn the page. No one's going to win on this deal. Can I still have your daughter's hand in marriage? <laughs> and and the, the rest is history. As we know, we're only as good as the basically the women around us. And my wife of 36 years, God bless her, who's turning 60 in another month or so. We're still together. And how that happened, I'm over my skis. But, you know, I outkicked the coverage, Boone. It's, no, it's pretty awesome. And, and you, you saying that to your, to your, uh, your father-in-law. Yeah. At the time. Absolutely. I mean, that sounds so... It's almost like when we were young kids and and hadn't experienced anything yet, we were just brash and we it, it wasn't it wasn't really arrogance. It was it's just I'm confident as hell in what I'm doing. I remember talking to counselors when I you know I went to USC and I'm in college and I'm I'm having meetings about my classes and they're going, well, well what are you gonna major in? Just I don't care. What do I need to be eligible? To stay on the field. Well, you need a 2.0. Just put me in classes to be a 2. But what are you going to do if? And like you, to your father-in-law, I'd look at him like, if? What are you talking about? I'm here to play baseball. I'm going to the big leagues. I'm going to play for 15 years. What about that don't you understand? Now, they're just in the real world where the percentages really aren't in our favor. But I, I couldn't explain to people as a kid how my brain was just it just was like that. And I didn't mean anything to be arrogant by it. It's just, I, I couldn't believe when you questioned me, like right. how can you possibly question what I'm talking about? I don't have a backup plan because it's not necessary. <laughs> now, all of a sudden you, you you're about 30 years old and you're in the middle of your career and you're going, Ooh, 
boy, yeah. I didn't know what was about to hit me, but man, I'm glad I had that attitude going in. No doubt. And nowadays you start, you add these things, you know, and you start adding all the stuff and the technology and iPads on the bench and all the different deals. I mean, we played in an unbelievable generation and time to where, I mean, you relied on advanced scouts, uh, you know, tendencies, all that stuff. It was the good old days, man. I, I love playing when I played. I mean, there was nothing better than getting drilled by, by the pitcher and then being on first base and then a double play ball and getting a chance to knock the second baseman or shortstop's ass all the way out in the left field. That was That's how you're supposed to play the freaking game. And you can't do police, that anymore. I take that game, yeah, it policed in the game. It policed itself. It was the best yeah. thing in the world. And you got a Randy Johnson, you get in a beanball war, which we did all the time with Lou. You know that. I mean, yeah, that was yeah. that was our deal. You get one of ours, we get two of yours. But then Randy stepping up on the top step going, hey, I'm pitching tomorrow. I mean, <laughs> it, was just a, it was just a great time. And then add in the fact that we were all arrogant and conceited a little bit, but we were good. And we were the Marlin Mariners. And, and everybody's going, who are the freaking Mariners? And it all basically started – just slowly but surely. But that was all part of the attitude. That's what you got to do when you play the game. It's a tough game, man. It's so, God, it's a grind. People don't understand. Yeah, we get paid handsomely, and it was awesome. But, boy, the travel and being away from family, and it's what you sign up for. But it takes its toll on you. There's no doubt about it. And you got to be conceited. you got to be arrogant. you got to be the president of your fan club. Otherwise, you're just going to get chewed up and spit out. I mean, it's a, it's a tough game. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you remember a moment as a young player? And then I'll move on to, to some other stuff I want to cover. Do you remember a moment as a young player uh, where you belonged and you said, now I'm a big leaguer. Now I'm one of this 25 guys on the roster. I know the rosters now are 26, but was there right. a moment for you? Because I have a moment and, and it was, it's pretty interesting. You know, I don't know if I remember the exact moment, but I do remember like in 1990, um, you know, I was talking to people and like, especially Donnie baseball, no, nobody was more prepared about hitting than Donnie baseball. He kept a book and he always had, he would go back to it. And every night, you know, like he, he would let me stay with him when I was up and down between Columbus, AAA and in the big leagues. And he, every night he'd come back and he'd write in this little book. And I'm like, what are you doing? He goes, I'm just, you know, jotting stuff down. So I remember. So next time we face these guys, you know, what the tendency was and who I faced and what I did and what I saw and how I felt, and he goes, because there's nobody here to basically do it for me. He goes, you, you know, I mean, you got to do it for yourself. So he kept this little black book, and that's when I just kind of started. I go, so what are you doing this and that? We'd sit around and just, you know, talk baseball. And uh, he goes, you know, I got a little scouting report, and he goes, this guy, I'm going to go up, and at some point he's going to throw me this pitch. I go, so you're going to sit on a particular pitch? He goes, absolutely. I go, well, what happens if he throws it, and or what happens if he doesn't throw it? And you, you're sitting slider and you get three cock shots right down the middle. He goes, then you tip your hat and you walk back to the bench. I go, you can do that and not be pissed off. He goes, oh, no, I'll be pissed off. But, yeah, it's just part of the deal. And I'm like, okay. Because I used to, you know, I never, that never thought crossed my mind. I'm like, I'm going up sitting dead red. I'm going to get a fastball and I'm not right. going to miss it. Thou shall not miss the fastball. 
can't get the cheese by the wrap. But that's when, so one time I, early in the year, I went up and I sat because I knew this guy threw a particular pitch and I sat on that pitch and I freaking smoked it. And I was like, I get down and I'm like, the first base, I'm like, okay, now, now I'm starting to get it. Now I'm starting to add a little bit more and implement a little bit more into my routine and what I'm doing in the thought process. So it does, it does start on the bench. You know, you're watching the game and watching how he pitches certain guys. And then you go the on-deck circle from the on-deck circle you know, what's your game plan going to be? What's your approach going to be? And then when you walk up and step into the box, you know that everything's going so fast. You don't have time to sit around. you got to already have your plan. And so that's when things started to click for me a little bit more. And I'm like, okay, you know, not any particular, I can't remember a particular at-bat per se, but it was this particular at-bat that I sat. I don't know who the pitcher was, but I sat on sat on a certain pitch in a certain area and I got it and I smoked it. It was almost like you visualized it, visualized that particular pitch. And sure enough, it came in. And so there is, you know, they say the games between the ears when you're hot and going good, man, your brain can slow the game down and you can just see things so much easier and clearer. It's almost like you're thinking right along with the game. It almost does become easy. Now, for some of us, I'm a career 250 hitter. I used to always tell Junior, you think it's easy? Try hitting with my swing for a full year, and I'll take your swing for a year. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take it. But think about I mean, you had a year like that, Booney. The whole freaking year, you were freaking lights out, man. What you drive in? 140-something, hit freaking 40 bombs. I mean, you know, you hit 300-plus. I mean, to be locked in like that, that that's got to be incredible. It is, and I and I do. I look at the the juniors, the uh, the bond, those type of the years where, where it was like at, or when they pitched him, hit a home run. How does right. that happen? How do you do right. that? Right. I mean, I, I mean, we look at Jay Buner. You, you hit forty back to back to back years. You had some big yep. RBI years. You know, I did it a few times, but I look at some of these guys and 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 a Manny Ramirez type, and I'm going, oh yeah, they had the feeling I had in two. 01 and 03 they had that 10 times i know you know and it's like it, it is it's mind-boggling it is and that's why they're in the hall of fame and, and mentioned it deservingly so now manny not yet but right well, that's that's another discussion for another time but i mean just like bonds i mean i don't care what you do and at the time uh you still gotta see the ball and hit the ball you still gotta make contact and that was ungodly the year he had yeah, I mean, that's what, he, what he what he did is that's like different. I tell people yeah. all the time. I said we were all yeah. playing big league baseball, and he was playing slow pitch softball. It's like it's like wiffle ball in the backyard for him the whole year. And then he walked. He's another guy. You talk about getting on a bus. He would walk on our bus when we played in San. Oh, I remember that. Day, and he looked and he goes, "Hey, good luck, boys. Maybe better luck on your next stop." And laugh and walk off our bus, and it'd be like, "You motherfucker! You got yeah. the balls to come on our bus and say that." I remember that. But it was it, big as a house, and it's like everybody's looking. They're looking at me, and I'm like, uh-uh. I ain't going after his there, ass. There's not too many people that could get away. Well, first of all, no, no. you got to be that good to get away with it. You know, I I, I tell those Who's stories hurt, all right? I, I used to – I tell that story all the time. You know, he would say some things to me at second base. And, like, he'd say it, and I couldn't believe he said it. And I'm like, but I have no comeback because he's right. Yeah. You know, he'd say, I, I saw him get walked. Uh, I think this is when I was with the Reds. We walked him to lead off the inning in a one-run game in the ninth. We intentionally put him on. Oh, oh. He steals second base. I walk over. Now the pitching coach comes out to talk to the pitcher, and I go to second base. And, you know, I didn't talk to Barry much. But but I look at him. I said, uh, I said, I'll tell you what, Barry. I've seen a lot of things. I said, that's impressive right there. And, he, and you know what he says to me? He takes his helmet off, and he looks at me, and he, and he gives me this wry. It wasn't like a smile. It was kind of a, hey, shit, I'd have done the same thing. <laughs> I, I had no comeback. Because yeah. I'm like, yeah, you're the best I've ever seen. If we would have pitched to you, thrown you a strike at that time, you'd have probably hit a okay, homer, homer, and it'd be tied. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know what? And, and that's what he was. He's like, thank you. I mean, that's the yeah, there's there's certain things you have no comeback for. And and, it, and people forget he was a gold glover. He, he, he steal 40 bags for you. He was a hell of a player. I mean, 
yeah, I mean, what do you do? He's a one-man wrecking crew. And then, and then he comes on our bus and tells us that we stink after <laughs> after getting beat in a series. You're not allowed to do that, but he was. He was the <laughs> you know, guy. It would probably be like a tiger calling out the PGA. It's like, well, what are you going to say to him? He's exactly. the greatest of all time. You know, he's like bringing on too. I mean, you you're going to bum rush me? He didn't. He didn't give a crap. I mean, that yeah. that was the thing, and that's the way he played the game. Uh, you're exactly right. What do you do? You got no comeback because it's 100% the truth. It's just like there were certain guys that weren't, that he was the only one. He really, yeah, he, I've never seen, I've never seen anything like, I've never seen anything like, I agree. I agree. Um, all-star game this year. It's great. We got to catch up. Dude, uh, that was awesome. That was, we awesome. got mentioned, you mentioned Lou Kenny was there and, and, uh, you know, always great for me getting to see Gar and and big old Rude, one of my favorite human beings. Big, big All, a, a lot of those guys from the O one team, wow. uh, just just getting to hang out with Lou in the room. Right Cause, how about seeing Cause? Oh, Cause a hero. Oh, geez. he he walked. He walked All of them. I mean, yeah, he walked into the he walked into the hotel where I was staying at. Cause walks in. I, now I haven't seen Kaz since when did he go back? He went back to Japan in about 03. So it had yeah. been 20 years since I physically put eyes on Kazahira Sasaka. For those of you that don't know who Kaz is, he was our closer in Seattle, 2000. Uh, I, I, I don't know when he started there, maybe 99 to about 03. And he walked into the room and it's like, I'd seen him yesterday. He just said, boom, made some sarcastic comment, went to the desk yeah. with his interpreter and checked in. But it was really cool coming back to Seattle, uh, seeing all that. You know, that, that All-Star game was in 2001 was the last time I was there. They rolled out the red carpet. They did a, they did a, uh, job. They did a great job. I, I was really, uh, you know, we got the, the 2001 All-Stars were, were recognized before the game. But I thought your, your deal was really cool. It was yourself, Dan Wilson, uh, Kenny Jr., and Edgar and you went out for the first pitch. I thought that was awesome. National stage and just kind of represent when you look at the Seattle Mariners and, and us as a franchise, there's kind of a pecking order. You know, you kind of have junior and gar at the top, no but, but there's, but there are certain pillars and Jay Buner's definitely one of those pillars. I thought it was cool. You guys going out. I also know, you know, not that everybody knows, but we know how close you are with junior and, and how, how your relationship is with Kenny. Uh, how cool was that for you in Seattle? And I know you're a guy like, no big deal, just give me the ball. But no, it, was when it all sank in, man. I'm just sitting there not impressed by – I don't get impressed very easily. But I was watching you guys, and I just thought, you know what? That is really cool. Well, I'll tell you, too, the crowd, just to listen to the response and the reaction of the crowd was insane. Um, and they both threw a strike. You know, they didn't they didn't crisscross applesauce and nobody got hurt. So that was that was a, a good deal. But no, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, I hadn't been back in a while. You know, there was a, and I didn't see really eye to eye. That's another time, another story with the Mariners. Um, so, you know, to get back and, and actually walk on the field and rub elbows and uh, rap about old times and reminisce and see the guys. That was a lot of fun. It was, uh, and then the reaction, like I said, was crazy. So, and Seattle rolled, the Mariners rolled out the red carpet. It was first, well done, first class all the way. They cleaned up the city, which, you know, Seattle was a kick-ass city for a lot of years. I mean, beautiful. Uh, it's a shame what it's what, what it's like right now. Hopefully, post-All-Star, I don't know if they've kept it up, but um, it, was, it was a lot of fun and... Um, I, I had a blast to have mama there and see everybody and hang out and see you. I hadn't seen you in a while. So, uh, hang out and have, uh, some diet, uh, Cokes with some people and, uh, catch up was all, it's always fun to tell war stories, as you know, and you were um, good at that, Boone. I, I was really good at it. Yes, you were. I Coming loved, up. I loved, I loved he, for those of you who don't know, he had a shirt and I'll let you tell some stories about it, but it was like chicks dig the long ball. Right, that it's right when right. the the Maddox Glavin exactly. ESPN so what commercial. you would do? It was always the quote of the day. You would cover up the long ball and and you cover Boone. You put Boone digs and then you put whatever it was for the day. Right, and, right, and it and could be a, it could be a player if you had a big it game. Could be anything. 
Yeah. And it was, dude, it was comical, comical for the year. You just continually did it. And then you take all your pieces of tape on whatever it was and you stick it in your locker. Yeah. All the different topics that you talked about. I mean, it's little things like that. You know, I mean, let's let's face it. You play 162 and 185 days games. It's a freaking grind. And we travel more by the all-star break than all teams did all year long. So you got to have fun. It is your family away from family. And you got to have some characters in that clubhouse that keep things loose and keep things going. That is the one thing about Lou he was incredible about. Turn this clubhouse over to the veterans. Let the veterans run it. The one thing you don't want to do, rule number one, don't let me have to come into that clubhouse. We made sure that never happened. His coaching staff, Maddie Sinatra and Mac and freaking first class, they were awesome. Um, And we had a special time, too. The reporters, we used to come out. We early hit every single day on the road, 24-7. It was mandatory. If you didn't show up, especially rookies, we had your ass. Uh, and the, the, you know, the media was out power shagging for us. So it was a family away from family, but that has got to be one of my tops as best things ever. As far as, you know, every day guys were like, all right, what's, what's on Boone's t-shirt today. Yeah, It wasn't a Bentley. It was a Boonley, which was <laughs> even more comedy. You were, you, you, you were a walking comedian. There's no doubt about that. Um, you came over from the Yankees early in your career. So you saw you saw Seattle in 1990 from a baseball sports perspective, from a fan's perspective. <clears throat> Take it through the early 2000s. You retired after the 01 season. 01 season, we were together, uh, one of the classics of all time. Yeah, 116. And, and take it even through 2023, <clears throat> not only the Mariners, but the Seahawks. How has that city, since you were a kid, playing there in 1990 grown up from from a sports point of view well i mean it's crazy i mean it just shows the show you put a winner on the ball field and they're going to support it i mean 95 without a doubt save baseball in the northwest let's face it so to be a part of that is is a highlight of my career there's no doubt about that uh and they continue to support and we continue to get to the playoffs and the playoffs and look at the last couple of years. They have not been in the postseason in 20-plus years. The curse of Lou, you call it whatever you want to call it. Um, and they finally get to the playoffs, and look how they supported it. Look what they've done with the Seahawks. Look what they did with the Sonics, which, fingers crossed, it's going to happen. They're going to get a basketball team back. That was a – well, don't get me started on that crap. Um, I don't know how they left. I don't know how you let the Sonics leave. It's, a freaking, it's amazing. It's a freaking joke. But anyway, they're going to get a team back. They're going to have the, you know, Kemp and uh, Peyton, all, all the legends. I mean, I just did a deal with the NHL. They brought us all in. It, the place went nuts. It was at T-Mobile. They went crazy for all the freaking awesome old goats coming back again. So that city, they love their sports. And it deserves a winner. And um, and if you put up, you know, a good ball, ball team on the field, they're going to support it. And uh, let's face it, they deserve a winner. They deserve a winner from the Mariners, for sure. And uh, I think the Mariners have the pitching. They're dirty. Their young pitching is dirty. Those really guys, good. I mean, good God. And let's face it, I, I'm not a fan of Jerry Depoto from a personal standpoint. But, dude, he can make some moves. You pay for what you get, but he just he just made another great move yesterday. Go to play switch hitting freaking second baseman yep. that basically is going to put some numbers up for you and a good veteran leader in that clubhouse. You know, they, you know, let's face it at the end of the day, you want to keep all these big name guys that got some thunder, but they had too many strikeouts and some of the guys needed to right. know, but he's done a great job of mixing and matching. And so we'll see. I mean, you know, you're pitching, it's about pitching and defense. They got that. JP's been a hell of a leader for them at shortstop and going out and being a gamer every day. Um, I got uh, high hopes for the Mariners to continue to be where they're at with that pitching staff. They should, they should, they should avoid. Uh, they should do well. Just put it that way. But you got Mitch Garver came in. He's going to be an addition. He's just coming yeah, off the he's a, championship with he's Texas. A great for you, yeah. There's that's a starting, that starting pitching is good. I, I think the starting pitching is elite. It, it's top no, five in the game. They got yeah. a really good bullpen. They lost Topa yesterday in that trade. Yeah. I'd like to see him get one more big bat because you're right. It, they, they it's, need another bat. 
that pitching last year was tremendous. The bullpen was tremendous. I think they finished one in the league. Uh, usually when you finish one in the league on the pitching standpoint, you make the playoffs. They yeah. didn't make the playoffs. So I, I think you need another bat. I like the Polanco. I like the Mitch Garver. There's a few pieces they've they've intermixed. I'd like to see one. You, you know, as ex, ex-Mariners, we'd like to see that one where, what do you mean they signed Soto? That type, I'm not saying Soto per se, but that yeah. type of deal. But it'll be interesting. You know, we're, we're a couple weeks away. Uh, they from need that, training. though. They don't need that. They got enough, I think. They just, But they do need a, a, a proven guy in there that's gonna that you can rely on to get a big hit and drive in a big run for you because they need to take that pressure off these young pitchers now a lot of them have got a year or two under their belt now so they're not necessarily you know raw per se but it'd be nice to get some early runs in the the first few innings of the game so manufacture some runs to take a little of the pressure off because their pitching's dirty and they keep strike lightning in the bottle they keep finding this mysterious arm out of here out of there a lot of them out of texas uh, that step in in their bullpen and grab the, the the bull by the horns and and step up and do a remarkable job. I think they'll fill that void again. Um, but you're right. I want to see them get in the postseason. Um, if they got in last year with their pitching staff, people were scared to death to face them. It's it's proven. It's given. You ask anybody. Look at Garver. Go back and watch Garver's basically interview when he signed with them. He goes, dude, nobody wanted to face that pitching staff. Period. So and the and- defense was dirty. So yep. um, they got it. Um, you're, you're right, though. They got to win a few games, and it just goes to show you a game here, a game there, early in the season comes back to bite you in the butt. So don't tell me that, you know, these early ball games that you give away don't come back to haunt you sometimes. They do. Right. They, and they really, just, really do, man. And you that division's to, getting tougher and tougher. You've Yeah, Texas, there's no walking. Texas winning the World Series, but Houston just went out and signed, signed Hater arguably yep. the best closer in the game right now to yep. add to that unbelievable bullpen that the Astros have. So, you yep. know, Texas is going to be tough. You know, Houston's going to be tough. That's a tough division, but I if, agree. If, if you go apple to apple, I'll put the Mariners starting rotation up against anybody in that division I will, easily I, I, or up against anybody in the game. I'll it's put it deep. up against, I agree with you. I'll put it up against anybody in the, at least in the American league. Uh, and uh, and arguably anybody in baseball, I agree with you 100. Um, do a quick and ra- quick rapid fire. These are guys that we both played with, and uh, you know, uh, near and dear. Hopefully, hopefully, I remember them. Al Hammer's disease. Oh, no, I'm going to make it so easy for you. It's ridiculous. You I, gotta I know hang, me a, hang me a curveball. Yeah, we're going to go first yeah. out of bed. I mean, on a platter, Lou Pinella. What about him? Just give what me you, sum him up in a paragraph, you, and then give me give me one of your favorite stories. We all got stories. I always you always got to get a Lou story. I've got tons. Uh, uh, You've uh, got uh, tons. Uh, uh, so uh, sum Lou up, and then give me a quick story. Well, uh, he's the Lou, only one I'm going to ask for a story. Okay. Well, basically, Lou. For those of you who don't know, Lou is he's a piece of work. But um, I guess the, the the one of the funniest things is is he he his mind is always racing. Hall of Fame manager. It's an injustice that he did. He lost by two yeah, years yeah. now that he's missed out on the Hall of Fame, basically right in whatever you want to call it by one vote. Uh, and it's a freaking shame because you look at his numbers and they speak for themselves. Incredible human being, incredible manager, played the game, rookie of the year, has basically earned his stripes, wore every jersey, every hat through baseball all the way up the ladder, saved baseball in the Northwest, won a World Series with uh, your red team um, and uh, basically just a, a, one of my favorite people, my dad, you know, my other dad is what I call him. He, uh, but Jesus Christ almighty son. I mean, I got so many stories. I think, you know, everybody talks about the hat in the playoffs in 97 and he's kicking it against Cleveland. He throws it in the stands and they throw it back on the field and they go, kick it, kick it. And he throws it again. They throw it back on the field and it just keeps going and going. And he's kicking this hat. And then him trying to pull a base out, you know, trying running over. He's arguing with Derwood Merrill, who always set him up, always was going to kick him out. He goes, oh, this fat fuck. Here we go again. I'm not going to make this game very long. <laughs> and he goes down, he's arguing with him. He's trying to pull third base out, and he basically can't get it out of the ground. Now he's embarrassed. It's in Boston. And next thing you know, he finally gets out of the ground, and he does his little whirly bird around in circles, and he hoes it. And the crowd's going crazy. I mean, they love, they love Luke. They loved his snaps. Uh, and then the next day we show up and everyone's like, 
And let's face it, Boston, little bitty dugout. You can't, you got to walk like this to it. If you stand up, you're going to smoke your head. Walking up the hallway, it's all underground. They got the member that's got the wooden pallets. They mm-hmm. put this plastic shit on that you're going to slip and bust your butt because there's water coming out, seeping through the edges of it. It stinks like crazy. The clubhouse is puny. The locker room is basically puny. The training room is little. There's basically, basically <laughs> we walk in and the training room is closed off. The door shut. And I'm like, what's going on? Because we always got there super early. And he was already there before early BP. And they're like, do not go in there. Lou's pissed off. He's stuck on the training table. He blew his back out. He blew his back out trying to pull, <laughs> trying to pull the base out. And then on top of it, He's walking up the runway and there's those fluorescent lights all the way down the hallway. And he gets this brilliant idea that he's going to try to go off and kick one. He tries to kick it with his foot, obviously eats crap, down goes friggin' Lou. He can't get up. He gets up. Now he's pissed off. And now he's walking up and he's punching every one of those lights all the way up the damn deal. Now his hands bleeding next day can't get off the table couldn't manage he was strapped down we couldn't go in the training room it was off limits couldn't talk to him couldn't say crap one of my classics we put the caution tape across the door in yellow you know and basically all the way down the hallway they ended up replacing the lights but we were putting signs all down please don't kick uh please don't punch the next day you know he's like oh very freaking funny yeah but just uh you know he just had a unbelievable way of when he would snap his snaps broke the ice you know i mean he was really good at knowing he's got to he's got to right the ship a little bit i see this game starting to get away from me a little bit so he would go and do stupid stuff it was always something stupid too he tried to kick a cooler and break his big toe or he would fire you know try to fire all the bubble gum down the deal and Inevitably, 90% of the time, he ended up hurting himself doing personal injury. Uh, but it always broke the ice. And then he turned around and looked down the bench and go, it's <laughs> pretty funny, huh? He just had a unique way of breaking the ice. There's only one of them. And that is, that is you know, that's just, um, you know, there's not very many people that I know in general, let alone a manager that would do that. And he was the kind of guy that, you know, let's face it, that's one of the reasons Seattle's having a hard time. A lot of free agents don't want to go to Seattle. It's too far away. It, the travel stinks. You know, they hadn't been proven. They'd lost 20 out of the last 21 years until they made the playoffs last year, the year before. Um, and so, you know, trying to get the big free agent to go there, understandable. When Lou was there, dude, you he called me. Go. I remember you called me in the offseason going, boom, I think I'm going to sign with the Mariners. I was in line at the grocery store. I said, come on, dude, we, we need you. We want you. Let's go. Um, stuff like that was happening. I mean, we were we were able. I mean, it wasn't hard to recruit guys to come want to play for Seattle, man, especially veteran guys because they everybody wanted to play for Lou. So that kind of, in a nutshell, tells you a little bit about Lou. Um, you know, just basically show up on time, play hard, and you got there's n- you won't have a problem with Lou. You don't hustle, the wrath of Lou is going to come down on you, man. I mean. Uh, he, and that's one that's one you you didn't want to get called in Lou's office. That was not going to go well. Well, here's what I found because I went full circle with him. You know, I went the rookie experience and I went the veteran experience. And and uh, me too. Lou, Lou, one of my favorite men, you know, as we mentioned. But it was here's how I sum it up. It's if Lou, Lou's got to respect you as a man. Bingo. And he's and he's got to respect you as a baseball player. If he yep. respects you as both. That man will take a bullet for you. Absolutely. If he doesn't respect you in one of those categories, might be a long year for you, and you might want to move on to another organization. Hey, how many times did we hear, Sammy, Sammy, what a, where'd this guy come from? Where, I mean, get him exactly. out of here. He, right. I mean, he, I mean, he almost every he'd, night. He'd say it mid-game. <laughs> get this guy. The guy's right there on the bench, right next to him. Get him the out of here i mean yeah. he didn't care we didn't i mean there was no gap order there was no filter what you see is what you get and basically you got to respect the guy for that i mean the communication was there he's going to communicate you might not always want to hear what he's going to tell you right. but it was there but you got to take the constructive criticism and that's part of if he believed that you had the spine in the backbone 
then he's he's going to basically lay it on you because he he knows you're a man you can take it and you're one, especially if you're one of his leaders in that clubhouse. Yeah, uh, he wants to know who he can go to war with. You're exactly right. I, I used to love it because you know the 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 rookie experience was one thing, and then the veteran experience is, hey Boone, wh- what are we doing today? I say, hey Lou, why don't you just have a seat and let us run the show? All right, son. All right, <laughs> that was the difference. All right, all, all right. right, all right. <laughs> all right, this next one. <clears throat> Smoking heaters. Remember smoking heaters on the bench next to the right. back going like this. Yep. Like, like Jim Leland and all those guys. Old school, man. Got away with crap you can't get away with. But, all right, yep. go ahead. Right. Well, the next one's an obvious. Uh, and I remember as a young player, when I first got to the big leagues, you used to tell me this, Brett, he's different than the rest of us, so don't pay attention to anything he does. One of your best friends today, been on the podcast a couple times, uh, <clears throat> Junior, Ken Griffey Jr. JR, nobody like him, man. Played center field with a reckless abandon. I mean, think about this too, man. We played on a horseshit playing surface, buddy. Yep. The kingdom was terrible. I mean, it took, I mean, it's a given. They've done studies, you know, the whole deal about how bad AstroTurf, especially that particular type of AstroTurf is. Look at the football players. Look at the baseball players that, ba- that played back in the old days. They look like old freaking cowboys. Uh, you know, everybody's bow-legged. It took it out of me, took it out of Junior, the, the knees and the lower back. That guy laid his body. There's body parts out there. But it he won me a gold glove because I was able – I'd just look – I'd be like, Junior, you got everything. I mean, make me look like a hero. And he would. He'd cover foul line to foul line. Nobody covered more ground than, than he did. He played – I mean, there was no wall that he didn't think he couldn't scale. There was no ball that was going out of the ballpark like Tiger Stadium, you go down Yankee Stadium, there's a list of freaking home runs that he robbed that he didn't feel like he couldn't take away and bring back. Uh, and let's face it, the kingdom, that was a launching pad. Uh, his swing was one of the prettiest swings in baseball. He had a great arm. And here's the big thing. He hit his freaking cutoff, man. He threw through his cutoff, man. Um, I mean, just and he played every day, never got hurt. Uh, until, you know, later on in his career. I mean, um, and best thing is, great family man, great person, still a close friend. Um, but, yeah, there. I mean, he played He played at another level, man. Every single, I swear to you, it seemed like every night he would do something and it would just be like, man. And, you know, to be able, be able to play next to him, I had a front row seat for a lot of years and to be able to watch that firsthand, pretty impressive i mean just little things you know like you know like uh secondary leads or being able to carry the mail being able to score i mean you know his base running everything everything about him was like dead on i mean he was the full package before i wasn't used to seeing that before and you know when he came up and was taking bp at basically 17 18 years old and then he makes the team out of spring training i'm like wow i don't i don't know man and it's like oh my god this guy this this kid's unbelievable. What uh, was what was unbelievable about him too? I'm a, I was the same age as him, so I think I'm a hot shot getting through the minor leagues pretty quick, getting to the big leagues. And I'm looking at Kenny, and he's my age, and he's got like three All Star games in the big leagues already. And I think I was quick. I do remember you telling me, and you're like, Booney, here's the deal: if you have a question about a starter, about a team coming in. I'm here. Edgar's here, but uh, don't ask Kenny because he's different than the rest of us. He's just on a different level, and, and that's and, and he was and he was he was he didn't want to know what he's like. No, see ball, hip ball, see ball, hip ball was his thing. But but he for a lot of years he he tried to play stupid, and then right. later about midpoint of his career he started holding court, you know. And then when he would hold court, he would he, if you'd sit back and listen, you're like. This this son of a bitch the whole time he's been buffalo on us. There's not a thing he missed. He was sharp as a fact. There wasn't a thing he didn't hear. He knew everything about the game. He had scout reports. He didn't re- want to reveal his hand. He knew he set up pitchers. He'd be like, "Hey, this guy's going to throw me a changeup on the on deck circle." He would turn around. I'd be I'd be walking up. Would you go hit? Go hit. Get out of here. He goes, dude. Watch this. He goes, this dumbass is going to try to throw me a changeup and watch. I'm going to walk up on it and I'm going to go yaya on him. I'm like, get, all right, go, go. Yeah, sure, whatever. Sure enough, he's up there like this, closes his foot. He goes one step, two step, gets the changeup, upper tank. 
he, he's laughing as he rounds the bases. One of the few guys like Bonds that would laugh and look and be looking and looking at me on the on deck circle and he'd step on home and he'd be like, I told you. I mean, shit like that. He'd call his shots. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he that's was when really you know. That's when you know you're just. It's just like, dude, is it that? I mean, is it that easy, really? And he goes, yeah, it, it actually is, man. If you want it to be, it's that easy. And Kenny, I'm like, he was, he was in, he was in. That's those years, the mid '90s. I was with the Reds, but we, Kenny, lived right down the street from me in the off season in Florida. And he'd come, you know, we'd get together in the off season for whatever. Uh, you know, players would get together before we were going, you know, Kenny was being secretive. He didn't want to, he, he, he liked to be Superman. He, he liked to act like he just had to take his cape off and the season would start and, and he'd play, but he was much more mindful than you thought. But I remember he used to tell me, and these are the years he hit like 56, 58 homers. Like, all right, Boone, how much you want to bet? I'll spot you 20. He spotted me 25 homers and beating me spotting me i'm like all right how many this year i'll give you 28 to start the season i'm like that should be a win you know if i hit 20 he's not going to hit more than 53 is he well he hit 56 i yeah. lost every bet with him hang with him take that all you right. know and and he's he's another guy you're talking about he didn't get in the weight room and throw weights around very often but he never missed an early bp for every i mean every uh, almost every single day we, we hit early every single day on the road. And it was just part of our deal. Never missed one of those. How about the scuba then, suit in the spring? And then he would bring in, you know, and then we'd all sit there, hold court. He'd bring in lunch. Everybody was, I mean, that was the fun things. How about what? What was that? Didn't he have a scuba suit in spring training? Oh, yeah, that was his dad. That was the shit his dad used to do back when he was a player. He would come in and feel like he needed to lose about... <laughs> Excuse me, five pounds for whatever reason. And he would wear that spring suit underneath this freaking uniform with that Mizuno plasticky thing. And and it and he would tape up the sleeves and then he'd come to his locker after practice and spring training and he'd start to peel that off and water would just come rolling out of that thing. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He goes, I need to lose about five pounds real quick. And I'm like, well, you're gonna freaking blow out, man. I mean, you know, that's not good. He's like, ah, you can't freaking blow out. That ain't, that ain't never but yeah, that was just his deal. He would wear, I mean, he would wear a spring suit to go out and friggin' play games and shit. I'm like, what? Just, I mean, just whatever. Old school, I guess. Different, different level. Yeah, All right, yeah. last one. Last one, Edgar. Edgar Poppy, Martinez. Mr. I called him Mr. Magoo because he would be like, pop, pop, pop. I mean, nobody understood that he had one of his eyes, one of his eyes would cross. So he had, he had like a lazy eye and we had this doctor, you remember Dr. Nakayatani mm -hmm. who was well before his time came up with these special eye exercises with these balls that were all lined up and Edgar would hang these balls out on his locker and he would hold them up and he'd have to basically do all his eye exercises. So Edgar, it was an hour every single day, his entire career that he had to do these specific eye exercises. So Edgar was one, always one of the first people there to make sure to get all that done. On top of the fact that he everywhere he went, he constantly was hitting with the fungo on his bat. He didn't go anywhere without I mean, He'd always warm up and hit off the tee with a fungo or um, not a fungo, a donut on his bat. Everywhere he went, hitting off that tee with that donut. And then he would take it off and go and do his deal. He had a special routine. But reason why I call him Mr. Magoo, he would walk across the infield and balls would be sailing. Just boom, boom. Between his legs, right behind <laughs> Edgar, look out. He's like, huh? Bop, bop. I mean, and, and, and they never, would never hit him. Never got hit ever. And <laughs> we're like, walk it right. He could walk across the five freeway and be fine. Oh, it was like, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You're going to get killed. Look out. He's like, what? Huh? <laughs> I mean, but a hitting machine. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> he could get out of bed right now and go up there and freaking hit a linger. You, you talk about his eyes, his eyes though. How about his eyes? Oh, he would get, he'd I, I'd sit there. Like this. Yeah, he'd go, I'd sit he'd, there. We're like, what are you? You got threat? What is going on? Not, I mean, we didn't know. And he's like, my eye. I, he would step out in the middle of an AB and try. But to it was always it. a ball. <laughs> I, I used to tell him that was part of the Magoo thing. I said, Edgar, 
because you know me <laughs> for my years with Edgar, my last five years, Edgar uh, was my locker mate. He was right next uh, door. And sure enough, about an hour before the game, <laughs> he's got those eye exercise. I said, Grandpa, how long are we going to do the eye exercise? They Boone, I wish you, I wish that you never have to do this. <laughs> so, I mean, that's People don't understand and, and to have it be a career 300. Mid AB, mid AB. Right, mid AB, the eyes would cross. He would just get out of the way, like call time. It, and it was never a strike. It was never a strike. I said, that's why you have an on base percentage over 400, because it's never a strike when you panic. And, he, and let's face it, you know, with his wheels, wheels talking about wheels, um, he wasn't getting too many infield hits. That guy could flat out hit. Great friend, still one of my closest friends to this day. I love him to death, him and his wife and Lee and I and, and Dan and Annie Wilson to get together. That was part, that was, I mean, during the all-star game to go back to that was so much yeah. fun. We all got a chance to hang out and, and uh, he, he was just one of my favorite teammates. I mean, we played at a right time, dude. We had, we had a who's who we had. I mean, if you think back on our team, it was, there was some freaking thunder throughout that whole lineup. I mean, we had guys like blow Mike Blowers and Paul yeah. Franco hitting like eight and nine that are driving in 80, 90 runs for us. I mean, mm -hmm. it was some thunder. The problem is, is we had, had more pitching. we had too many pitching changes and junior and I wore out a path between right field, center field and vice versa. So, yeah. um, but I tell you what, we, we, we ran out of outs when we lost games. It was just, we'd all go in and go, well, guys, we ran out of outs today, unfortunately, because we had them, um, but it was, it was a special time, but Poppy, Dude, a hitting machine, man. Absolute hit machine and just a great person. And uh, I love him to death. Well, Bone, Jay Buhner, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. This is a lot of fun getting to, to reminisce. And I think a lot of people will, will love the, the stories we're able to go back and forth with. Thanks again, Bone. It was a pleasure having you on. I'll see you soon. For those of you out there now on YouTube, if you're watching on YouTube, I appreciate you checking it out. For those of you listening, Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time.